We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia where this podcast was recorded and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Hi there, I'm Daniel Moore and you're listening to Season 3 of the Hearing Architecture Podcast, proudly sponsored by Brickworks. Without clients, there would be a heck of a lot less architecture. Most of the great architecture projects in the world are an architect's interpretation and conceptual development of a client's ambitions. Over the next four episodes, we're going to be talking to architects about what their clients got beyond their finished project and what architects get beyond their fee and awards on the shelf. Our guest in this episode is architect Anna Gilby from Gilby and Bruin Architecture and Urban Design based in Tasmania and Victoria. Anna shares with us some insight into a deeply personal project where she designed a house extension for her parents who have physical mobility limitations. I'll now hand over to Hilary Duff who is an Imagine representative based in Victoria. Let's jump in. Hi Anna, thank you so much. We're um, really excited to talk to you today. We are here with Anna Gilby talking about the client and architect relationship across the course of a project. And Anna, we're here to talk about Gilby House, which has been an exciting project to read about. I think the, the process and the client relationship is a little bit different to a typical client architect process but do you want to give us a start to tell us a bit about the project as a whole? Okay so the project was the renovation to my parents house. The original house was designed and built in the 70s. My dad designed the house. My parents were partly involved in the build so the house is very special to all of us. Also the house was never fully finished in those early days. It was always something a little bit under construction. The site was always under development. I guess what I mean is we were always tinkering, particularly around the outside of the house and developing it up. Um, but also um, the house was extended about 20 years ago. And so this is a, a sort of the third kind of iteration for the house. This particular part of the project, my parents by now have been living in the house for 40 years and their health challenges have been changing. The first renovation done 20 years ago was so that they would have a bedroom on the flat level and this iteration is furthering that. So the site is, it's in Hobart in Tasmania. It's a really beautiful spot by the, the edge of the um, Derwent River. It's at the top of a cliff. It's a good sort of 30 metres high off the water. And there are a lot of gum trees on the site and on the surrounding blocks. My dad was very keen to maintain the trees and they located the house to avoid cutting too many down and still maintaining some view of the water but also keeping the trees as a, a significant part of the experience of the site and the house is very much amongst the trees and they designed the house this is when they're in their early 30s they both already had known sort of physical challenges um, that they knew would 
you know, continue to get more challenging in the future, but in their sort of early 30s sort of optimistic way. They took on and designed a house with multiple levels. It's a small house, but with an open plan, multiple levels, including a couple of loft spaces with ladders leading up to them. So so right from the start, they decided to design themselves something which was dynamic. It gave them all these opportunities and experiences of the site and of the trees, knowing that it was something that might not suit them long term, but they didn't want to design themselves something for the future. They wanted to design, you know, to experience something more dynamic at the time. But they always knew that there, there would be challenges down the track. Um, and so the first changes they did 20 years later was, as I said, to bring their bedroom down onto the flat so that they would in the future have yeah have the main space main spaces for themselves on the ground um, and by this stage they'd been able to acquire more land and that enabled them to expand the house out so the three of us kids were growing up at that stage most of us still living at home and so the house the small house was now a little bit small and this gave a little bit more space as well the design of the house that original house it's quite unusual it's a timber structure the structural components are exposed internally a lot of raw timbers also large part of the internal spaces are lined in raw timbers as well as the outside of the house a lot of the timbers are celery top pine and at that time the timbers that were used on the house were discarded timbers that would have been burnt so they're rough timbers, they're not perfect timbers, there's discolorations and markings, water markings, but they're very alive, very rustic. And it's something that perhaps in all of that captures a moment in the 70s when that material was available um, and maybe a little bit of, you know, the, the ways in which those materials perhaps weren't appreciated necessarily, but it's something that obviously my parents did appreciate um, and it was something affordable for them, which is sort of an unusual sort of combination. So so the old house is this really dynamic, multi-level, timber-lined, it's very exciting sort of internal spaces. There were very few rooms in the original house with doors on them, so full, proper, you know, as we might think of rooms. Downstairs, there's one room that was used as an office that had a door on it. Um, and obviously the bathroom facilities had doors, but everything else was open. So the second level was open. Where my parents slept was open. They had curtains. The space where us three kids slept in um, had some sliding petitions and later curtains, and the lofts were just these open spaces with ladders. So that early house was a very sort of dynamic space, sounds translate, you know, transferring light, um, we could all communicate across the house. We were very free in the way that we used the house. We could swap our rooms around or spaces. There was sort of, sort of was thinking about how to talk about it, and there was there was sort of a bit more like nooks, really. You might think still with quite a bit of privacy, but not in the context that we might think now, where you've got a door and you know you can really sort of go about your business quietly. But we always knew when we were young it was very dynamic. It was very exciting. We really enjoyed the spaces, the things that we could do across the levels, the way that we could play games that sort of traversed um, the space. It was always very dynamic and opportunities were sort of 
endless. So that old part of the house held and holds for me a lot of a lot of history, a lot of opportunity in that old house. It also there were a lot of challenges to to that, especially as we were growing up. Five near adults, you know, in this quite small um, multi-level open plan living arrangement. And at some point we did need more space. That became quite apparent. We couldn't extend straight away, but eventually this sort of second extension took place. And my parents at that stage were still, they didn't have a lot of money, so that second extension was still really dynamic. There was some really tall glass for the living space, but also it was as as simple and as cheap and cost-effective as they could make it. And it sort of sat on the side of the house. As I said, the that block of land my parents were able to acquire. So the original house turned its back to that block of land and then we sort of extended out. And so one thing that was apparent when we did that extension is that the the old house and that new extension didn't always speak to each, each other very clearly. They were quite separate parts of the house. And maybe at that stage that was great. My parents had their own sort of little quiet wing. Fast forward to a few years ago when we, my parents and and I were working together on the project, um, my parents' health had, their challenges had progressed. It was very difficult for them to go upstairs. They had already renovated the main bathroom downstairs to make it easier for them to use the space. But now we reached a point where um, my dad needed to use a wheelchair and the kitchen was tiny it became very difficult I mean he couldn't enter the kitchen um, but also just moving through between the old part of the house and the extension became very difficult because the the space that we had to move through was quite narrow so to be able to stay at home we needed to make some changes Um, and I think everyone was ready for my mum was ready for something new to happen to the kitchen it was 40 years old and a little bit tired and so we sat down trying to figure out what we could do. And I guess this is the thing that you're you're asking about is how that relationship sort of worked. One thing to start with is we were all quite involved in the house. My dad designed it. My parents did a little bit of the work that they could do to help build it, to make it more cost effective. We did all of the landscaping around the house as a family, paved the driveway together, built the deck raised the paved area. My dad has physical challenges. He he had a back injury as a baby and for all of his life he had challenges with his legs. He couldn't straighten them and he couldn't balance in the same way. So, you know, a lot of memories of my childhood was my dad kneeling down on the ground laying bricks in intricate patterns um, and all of us helping to, you know, wield the machinery and carry the bricks and carry the metal dust around and those kinds of things so there were always projects and we were always part of those projects and we were always involved in discussions about what might happen for a lot of those early external driveway projects I mean my dad had a plan and he would discuss what his ideas were and we would just follow suit but particularly when the extension happened 20 years later and towards this next iteration there were always discussions about we're thinking of doing this talking about what some of their ideas were. Dad might show us some drawings. Um, there were always open discussions. So amongst all, all of us, all, all of us kids, um, we were always invited to have an opinion. I mean, Dad's always was the architect, you know, <laughs> he had the final say. But, you know, our opinions were always welcome and, and I think there was always a sense of collaboration. And 
my mum was always very interested in what we had to say and I think that was always something that was very exciting for her, you know, to have our involvement. And when I think on that myself, I can I can understand how it would be very exciting and, you know, interesting to hear what your children have to say and see if you can weave some of those ideas into what you're doing. So we'd already been looking at um, and my dad had already done some designs to put a new ensuite onto their bedroom. It had been something in discussion for a while, but for some reason they'd always held back from proceeding. And I guess partly there was a cost implication, building something bigger, you know, extend, extending the house. Maybe there were always some reservations about that. Perhaps one of the things that always caught us is that um, there were always some problems with the centre part of the house where the kitchen and laundry were. They were original, 40 years old spaces and I guess there was always a sense that that would need to change as well and so I think at some point we started focusing on that central place space the kitchen and let the idea of an of an extra ensuite sort of fall to the periphery one of the interesting things about the house my dad designed the kitchen very specifically for his own needs and maybe this is something that you know becomes interesting as we talk about designing for physical challenges, um, people with, you know, different needs. At that stage, my dad used a walking stick and it was easier for him to balance and manoeuvre in a space that was quite narrow. So it was a much narrower kitchen than a normal kitchen. And as a family of five, we all just got used to navigating a tiny space and we all knew how to do the dance or the shuffle, as you might say. And it it is something I've talked to my my brother and sister about as being a very unique thing that all of us recognise that we have this skill in the kitchen to be able to work with other people in a space which we found um, our partners are not as familiar with. You know, we notice how, you know, we will make ourselves small because we're so used to working in such a tight space that, you know, you have to you have to let people through and you have to move to be able to open cupboards and and get in and around each other so it's very interesting Um, so it worked for a period of time this sort of tight space where everything is accessible with just a pivot and the benches provide the sort of stability required and so yeah that that kitchen lasted 40 years but now my dad's mostly in a wheelchair and we needed more space for dad to be able to move through to the bedroom from the living spaces and also the kitchen itself being a tight space sort of became something of an obstacle. And because everything's built already, we already had a renovated bathroom. Mum and Dad had their bedroom built. There was a new lounge room. We already had the framework and we were trying. It was sort of became a question of how do we make the kitchen bigger, basically, from something small. And there were also a few other really important things to consider, one being the sort of need for a, an ensuite or a, an accessible bathroom. We were obviously, we had a laundry to consider. That was um, the laundry and kitchen were part of this core of the house that we were going to be looking at. But also there were a few other challenges of the house. The original house had a wood fire, which well and truly heated the inside. But of course, as time went on, that became more challenging for my parents to be able to cut the wood basically, chop the wood and bring the wood inside and, you know, deal with those sort of challenges. So um, they needed a new method of heating the house as they got older and as my dad progressed, his circulation challenges sort of presented. So 
heating, cooling became much more important. Staying warm became much, much more important. So things like adding an additional double glazing, trying to insulate, trying to tighten up the gaps, maybe contain spaces a little bit, all became part of this sort of, we had quite a few things we were trying to do to make the existing house work a little bit better and sort of allow mum and dad to to stay at home basically. And um, I guess from here, by this stage, um, while we were working on this project, my dad was already retired. He'd been retired for some time. He still had plenty of ideas to offer. He still had all the experience behind him. He no longer had full use of his hands. Like his drawing ability was reduced, um, certainly in terms of fine drawing skills. And he could use the computer a little bit, but obviously he was much slower in the way that he could use it. Um, So it was necessary to get someone else on board to work with him. So we were needed in that context to to do the work, to do the drawings. But also... Like my mum was very interested in having our input, hearing what we had to say. Um, and also, I think, as I said, this sort of ongoing discussion was something that was already, we were already talking. Um, it was already interesting for all of us to talk together. So I think potentially it was not much of a jump for mum and dad to sort of say, you know, we need your help. And this is what we're sort of thinking of doing something. You know, what do you think? We'd already been discussing dad's designs for the ensuite and this sort of became another discussion about what to do about the kitchen and it it took us a little while to to workshop I think might be a good word of describing the process throwing ideas around and I also was thinking when I reflected on what it is to work with your family and perhaps work in this kind of way I think something that it's really nice about this kind of context where you know a house really well, you know people really well, you've got these challenges. We started to sort of throw around quite exciting ideas because they are just ideas at this stage. We certainly could extend the house and build a new ensuite. This interior part, changing it, was definitely much more challenging to make all the parts work right from the beginning. If we scooped everything out, sort of did a bit of demolition and looked at what we had, we had a living room, a bedroom, a bathroom and opening out onto the main part of the house, all sort of all opening onto this space. So immediately we had sort of bathroom and bedroom doors to sort of think about how do we, how do we navigate those, those different spaces, what sight lines, what immediate access of what space, those kinds of questions became sort of how to, how to work in this tight space. And up to that point, the, the kitchen itself is, you know, it was just a kitchen. You might think sort of renovating kitchen is one thing. We could have just opened, opened up. But there's also something about the way that this particular area was sort of both, and I think this was something I was quite interested in, the way in which well, when my dad did the um, extension 20 years ago, he added on to the old house, but very little was done to the existing house at that time. And a large part of that was cost. But now here's this opportunity to really think about getting these spaces to work better, to flow better. And that was something I was really interested in. It sort of seemed like a chance to do something because the house already had grown. It seemed to me like there's lots of space here. If we can connect it all better, we could achieve a lot, basically. And I, I guess that's sort of effectively what we managed to, to achieve. And as I said, it was sort of quite exciting to think that we might sort of pull out a lot more walls than we ever thought we would to start with um, and spin everything around, reorient 
that connective space, make it slightly bigger and rethink about how um, it sort of became this sort of third connecting space that tied everything together. So in terms of the process, a lot of this happened sort of around the table, having chats, throwing around ideas, having calls and saying I've had this thought, you know, or an idea. And perhaps, um, I mean, we were having a discussion last week, um, the idea that we could all talk over plans together. We all had a similar language and, and a similar ability to read a plan. We're all very intimate with the space. So it was really quite a collaborative sort of endeavour. And, you know, we could really talk quite freely. I guess it was sort of, so yeah, it was quite easy to be able to sort of throw out an idea and for that idea to be picked up and resonate to be able to, I guess, collaborate is probably the best way to sort of frame that kind of relationship where we're all on the same page. And then it was just about nutting out how things might work and the real nitty gritty about what that would mean, what the challenges were, what parts of our wish list were the deal breakers. That became the next sort of really important part of the process. It's interesting that you say our wish list. (laughs) And and that's where the process, I guess, has differed from what might be a traditional client-architect relationship that you seem to be wearing multiple hats. You're the, the, the drafts person. You were a resident for a while. You've got you're kind of a collaborator with your parents. And then you're also an architect that brings your own ideas and concepts to it. And you're working with multiple clients. Yeah. <laughs> Both your your parents, your, your father who was the original architect and, and somewhat builder, and your mother. Yeah, it was funny. I was reflecting on part of those thoughts sort of in the last week and one thing that came to mind is in some ways my dad and I were both collaborating and my mum was our client. Some of the particular challenges that we had were very much about accommodating my dad and his needs, but there also was this overlaying sense that my mum would be the person who would be living in the house the longest or that she, as my dad's primary carer, needed to be looked after in this sort of yeah, in the design process. So I sort of, yeah, we definitely we definitely were both looking out for her needs and it was probably a, a matter of like between my dad and myself to sort of decide what we each felt were really important aspects of the project. It's funny because you say, you know, I'm talking we, it was very much my parents' project and I, I certainly, there is an interesting sort of overlap here where the house feels very important to me it's very special to me, but ultimately it was always their home. And that's an, an interesting sort of space to sort of be working in. And a lot of decisions I made were made for them that I might, I, I would have made differently if I was my own sole client and, you know, I was treating the house as my own. But that said, you know, we are a family and we know each other very well and, you know, we do have a relationship where we were looking out for each other. Um, that was always very important. So and I guess that's a sort of an innate thing. I don't know if it was something I was entirely, always entirely aware of, and sort of saying that and thinking actually I did often refer to my partner Ross as the sort of sort of navigating my family and my own ideas as someone who's an outsider to who sort of knows all of us <laughs> but he's somewhat of an outsider and you know, might be someone to help me sort of 
navigate that space, you know, I guess as a sort of way of putting it. Like as a person and particularly in this particular situation, while I would speak my mind, I often was cautious of pushing my ideas so hard that, you know, I was being forceful. I was always sort of, I felt I felt quite strongly it was their home. So ultimately it was their house, even though it was quite special to me and I, you know, I felt it was very important to me. I was sort of some, sometimes I was there feeling like I was sort of um, making sure that we were honouring that old part of the house um, in the process. The whole process, it sounds like a very empathetic process. That empathy has kind of guided the design outcome and a lot of it has come innately. You've spoken about it, it's happened around a dinner table. It, it's been very natural. Your your language, whether it's the architectural language that your family is used to being in the architecture industry or whether it's the shared ideas and desires that come from being part of the same family. It's been in a very empathetic and natural process. Yeah, and I think I think you're right, just sort of speaking to the heart of it. Um, and maybe in the context of that, both of my parents have physical challenges and we as as their children have known about that our whole lives. Like both both of their challenges have been part of our lives. How they've dealt with those challenges, you know, have been things that we've been aware of and exposed to. And how the house has um, operated and challenged and I guess particularly in terms of physical needs, those those sort of challenges, these furthering, like how we've seen that occur over time and now at this point where we're trying to design for them, it's not something that has, yeah, it's not sudden. The changes have not been something that we could foresee and say this is what's going to happen and we need to do this. Um, and I think this is, you know, one of the things that we all experience is that uh, we don't have the crystal ball and we can't know for certain what what will be needed um, and at what time it will be needed. So we're certainly making guesses, best guesses. But at this point where we're designing the kitchen, we're very much designing for <laughs> for these future challenges that are now presenting themselves. And What's interesting is that those challenges like very much form inform the dynamic, you know, between my parents, how we move around the house becomes very much. My dad um, certainly once we built this new extension sort of few years down the track um, more recently, he's in a motorised wheelchair and there are a lot of challenges that present themselves with someone with decreasing mobility who's moving around with a mobile device, you know, within a space and how we all sort of navigate, navigate that. It's something that, that in itself is something that has to be treated with a lot of empathy, um, a lot of understanding. Um, it's challenging. So, yeah, so that's really interesting, I guess. Um, maybe so perhaps it's inherent when you work with a family, but then it's also inherent when you know that you're, you're dealing with, challenges and those challenges are very much family challenges for us and you know we're all implicated and we're all part of it we're trying to make the space better for all of us Um, and I think that's something that has been revealed through the process but also through the outcome it's something that's actually been really lovely that all of us have remarked on friends and extended family it's definitely transformed the house we've sort of 
reframed the way the house looks. It looks far more out to the water now, which it always did, but there's more of that now. But also perhaps this is sort of unique to our particular challenges that we've got this sort of big corridor that's a kitchen. It's quite, it's quite long, it's quite wide, and at the moment it's it's a kitchen slash dining sort of space. Um, we don't have an island bench, we have a, have a dining table and it's just this long kitchen. And we we inhabit that space, all of us. I guess when I say that I mean we're all able to be in that space together. My parents can hang out around the table while their children and grandchildren are all in the room playing, cooking. For a while when Dad was in bed quite a bit in the bedroom, he'd still be within earshot, sometimes within view. Um, there was a lot of connectivity um, and a lot of openness and a lot of sharing. And when I was living in the space just over the last couple of years with them, something that also was really nice and actually sort of I think very special and I feel very lucky, very grateful for is the fact that both of my parents now have much more limited mobility but they've got this just spectacular sort of place to be that's very exposed. It's very, you're very much in the landscape. The weather is very apparent. It's beautiful even when it's raining, when it's foggy, when it's awful you know it's just spectacular the light is beautiful the natural environment's beautiful the birds just come and go wildlife comes and goes and so they're they're far more immobilized now but very much within that landscape that they're you know they're spending a lot of time and I sort of feel that's been a really special thing to be able to offer and that we've been able to achieve at that time it seems like such a you know such a special thing to have, and at the same time still be able to sort of be within the memories of the old house, so very much in it, even though they they can't access a lot of a lot of the old house anymore, but still from the from the ground floor they can sort of be very connected. When you look at the house, whether it's looking at the plan, the sections, or, or photographs, that it doesn't look like it's a house that's specifically for someone in a wheelchair and so often I find in the design industry you look at fixtures and fittings and surfaces that are designing for disability but they're they're not beautiful and they're incredibly useful of course but it's just really wonderful to hear how a house has been adapted but also it's, it's a comfortable beautiful place that really celebrates where it is for both inhabitants. Yeah, it is very much who they are and perhaps very much because they were both aware of um, the challenges they faced and were very stubborn and loved design and obviously were quite daring, I think, even even on a general <laughs> even on a general, you know, in a general sense. They designed themselves a multi-level house. With levels and lofts and you know and ladders, knowing full well that that was something that um, they could only enjoy in their earlier years. You know that it wouldn't be something that would last. And I think that sort of mum, my mum talks about that being a very strategic move on her part. She didn't want to live in a nursing home at age thirty. Um, she didn't want to design for 
old age. <laughs> um, she was young. You know, we can all relate to that. And to understand sort of design in Tasmania generally, a lot of Tasmania is very hilly. This site is fairly sloping. I've, I've worked on steeper slopes in Tassie, but dealing with a slope in Tasmania, the levels need to be addressed. It's not, it's not a flat site. So the choice of levels, yes, there's some choice, but there's also to some extent there's a, there's a natural inclination to work with the site to step with the site or to step against the site. And some of what that's offered, um, I mean, when we were um, living in the house the last two years, we had a spot up on the second floor near where my parents used to have their their bed in a sort of curtained area. There's this little window spot that sits in the canopy of the trees. It's got views down the river. But that, that particular spot in the canopies, there's something so special about being in the trees, like in the canopies. Um, and these are beautiful established gum trees. Um, the wildlife that come and inhabit those spaces are beautiful. They they nest in the trees. You know, we watch the movement, the migration of different species through the trees. So something very special. And I know the trees were always really important to my dad, something not to they avoided chopping them down. They protected them as much as they could. So celebrating all of that while they could was something that was very important to them. And I look, I wonder also, you know, how much, especially for my mum particularly, having stairs was something it was only very, very recently that she stopped going upstairs. She persisted. And it's, I mean, it's good for us um, when we can, this is when we can, to use our bodies to climb, to walk, you know, to go upstairs. It's not, you know. So I think even even while that was quite a challenge for her, it also you know, it was a small bit of exercise she did every day. It was something that she could achieve, you know. So I think for a long time she she just persisted against those challenges and pushed against the difficulties that she, you know, she had facing her. And because of it, they're able to sort of really enjoy and I, I think defy <laughs> on a daily basis, you know, and live very, very, have a very embodied experience, you might say, spatial and um, physical and I really uh, admire and I have to say lots of people really admire that quality in my parents a sort of stubborn defiance and and maybe naivety too you know youthful naivety um, I think my mum now might say her older self might might encourage her younger self you know to to be more sensible but I'm sure she probably would still do it anyway you know <laughs> So I think, yeah, I think that's that quality of my parents and that quality of the house in defiance has been something that's it's very intriguing and very interesting. It's very, it's great. I think so often stubborn, the word stubborn has negative connotations. But it's, yes. yeah, it's, you know, it's actually an enthusiasm to accept. Very celebratory. Mm, yeah. That's right. Yeah. You know, living in their ability at that moment and planning for the future where, where they want to. You spoke earlier about that they purposely chose to put in different levels and stairs and ladders, but then there was also the moment where there was, you know, concrete pads in preparation for a future extension that might happen. So it's this play between, you know, you are thinking about the future, but you're choosing purposely where that's going. Yeah, that's right. I think, look, I mean, maybe, you know, when I talk about this sort of useful naivety, I mean, I think at 30... I'm not sure whether they ever thought they were building a forever house. 
at that stage. I mean, I'm not sure. At that time, um, my parents had just returned from being overseas for a number of years. It was, you know, and they, in that they did something quite unique. They came back when everyone else was already sort of settled with families and my dad um, was not originally from Tasmania. He was settling into an architecture industry that was very um, small and very much, you know, you sort of needed to be a Tasmanian to work in Tasmania. So he really needed to sort of work his way into, you know, into the industry. And so they, I mean, at that time they really did. Um, my dad was working private practice. He designed and built the house in many ways. My mum talks about it as an opportunity to demonstrate what it was that he did. And it, it was that. He, he did a number of houses um, following that. Sort of that was really where his practice began. And as I said, it was unfinished, which was that's what they could do at the time. So I think the house has always been this. It's very interesting how it's played out for them. And I think with these things, it always is unfolding, perhaps. I wonder sometimes whether choosing such a spectacular place to build a house is the thing that really sort of beds you down that where other people might have designed and built and moved on and tried again, my parents just continue to work into the same the same space, you know, a bit like an oil painting, something that's sort of slowly worked through and added onto and now adjusted over time and becoming this sort of this evolution. It's very interesting the result is interesting. And I think for us, I, I was reflecting in the last week about working with my parents, working on this project, and what it feels like to be part of something that is under flux, you know, something that is evolving over time, that my parents have started, and that I've helped to contribute towards. And particularly for my mum, I think that when we achieved the outcome and had built the new kitchen um I talk about like the new kitchen and it's sort of so much more than a kitchen it's much more a sort of reframing that she feels very much like she has taken the house to this next level she feels very comfortable with where it is that if she you know at the point that she leaves she feels like she feels very excited about where the house you know this sort of collaborative project or ongoing project so I feel on a personal level that's quite exciting too to sort of, you know, I feel very lucky that I'm in a position and to have had the upbringing that I had and the experience of space that I had and now to be able to sort of help work back into it and help my parents in that, you know, that's something very special to have that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to have. All the enthusiasm or, or determination, so many people particularly if, if you're facing kind of physical needs and, and, and ageing as well, that lots of people would throw their hands up and say, we'll sell it, we'll move to a flat block in the middle of the city where I can drive my car into my garage and access my house with no issue. Very much. And it is, that, is, um, that is the alternative. And for some people and for some friends of ours, it's very liberating to let go of something that is um, a lot of hard work, that needs a lot of hard work to change, that is like trying to fix a body that can't be fixed, you know. Um, the risk is that you put so much, invest so much change and then that change, you know, the, the time that you need that change for is so short. Sometimes accepting 
you know, where life's at and, and taking something that is less of a burden actually can be very liberating. So that is the alternative. And I, I guess I say that with my parents, the context that choosing such a spectacular site and investing so much time over the years, I mean, we, there was an opportunity to design my parents a new house, a small house, something next door that was little, that fit all of the complex needs that they had. And I think, and again, and again, we talked about, you know, early on that there was this idea earlier to design a larger ensuite that they actually needed. My dad really needed the bigger space. But I think, you know, in all of this, I think that perhaps leaving the house was always a challenge. And also perhaps there was a sense that the house was unfinished. I mean, I now when I see, I think of how my mum feels about the house has this contemporaryness that particularly when we still had this sort of 40-year-old kitchen that was really tired, its material was very tired and it was very difficult for most people to use. It was so tiny. You know, a lot of people would come into the house. The timbers have darkened over time so there's a sort of it's aged, it's dark, it's got this awkwardness to the kitchen, this sense that it's um, it's old but old in a sense that's difficult um, and I think my mum really revels in the sense that they've done something very modern and that all of a sudden the house has a, a whole new lease that's it's very exciting, it's very, I mean, it's accessible, it's usable It's um, and the kitchen is quite different, quite different from what it used to be and it speaks to perhaps part of where my dad's practice went in its later years too, which is nice, you know, and something that my mum got something that, she wanted that was different from the old house that um, the timbers and the the rawness. She was very invested in this idea of the shiny black surface of the kitchen. I spoke to you about this and it is something she's really impassionate about because she just loves it. It's something that my dad did in the in the bathroom when he sort of renovated that a number of years earlier. They put a little black reflective vanity in and there's just this beautiful effect of the vegetation from outside reflecting into the space and it very much became a part of the space inside. And my mum wanted to replicate that. She really wanted to see what that would do in, in this sort of new sort of dining hallway sort of kitchen space. And it does. So we put in this shiny black kitchen and it it becomes this, um, it's a backdrop really for, it's a, it's a reflective surface for the outside and my mum sits and just looks at the trees in her reflective surfaces, kitchen, mirror. So it very much, it does something very different than the old house did. And I think that's really exciting for my mum, something new and different, but yet it still works with what was there. And I th- yeah, I think, you know, maybe it's just sort of for creative people, it's really nice to be able to keep being creative and keep, you know, being able to do something in their space that, they get to experience in those last sort of, you know, those last years that they can be in the house, you know, and sort of revel in this new sort of, this new space that captures a very different experience of the landscape that they've lived in for 40 years. And it does feel like that the house feels quite different. So it's really exciting and I, it's really nice. Like it, it feels, you know, it feels, um, it feels really great to have been able to um, participate in that. And I think we all celebrate it. You know, it's something that you know, when we're in that in that space together, Dad's there in his electric wheelchair. You know, Mum's in her sort of designated seat at the at the dining table. 
it is something nice we can share together. And I think, you know, as people who work in creative industries and who are familiar and I know my mum's just revelling in enjoying what she has and that's really great. It's, it's so lovely to hear you describe a project that's developed beyond a brief that's simply dictated by functional needs or conditions. It's um, you know, really adapted to the values and the desires of, of the users. And we mentioned it before, but it's a house that it does things, it's, it's functional, but it, it looks different and it feels different. So much of what you've described is about holding space for family and, and being comfortable to sit and reflect and watch the trees and it, it just sounds like a, a family home. Yeah, it's interesting. The one thing that comes to mind when you say that is also how there were a couple of really important points that particularly for my dad were sort of real sort of pragmatic considerations, one being the bathroom, not off the kitchen you know, not directly off the kitchen. And the other was the bedroom. And we certainly, we achieved the bathroom. That was the most important one. But in the end, through the process, and I think I discussed this with you, that right at the last minute, we made a further change, which reflected sort of an idea that I had that I'd been suggesting, but not forcing, that my dad came on board and we really opened up right through, which meant that the bedroom opened onto the kitchen. It's sort of this weird you know, not it's not a normal thing that you might do as an architect. You might try and avoid this in a number of ways and we could have, but the simplicity of the solution that we ended up working with, it allowed for us to, to park mobile devices near the bedroom door, these kinds of things, but also the way in which the bedroom could communicate with the living space where my parents spend. They pretty much, when we were living there, my parents would move between the bedroom and the kitchen and we would go upstairs, you know, to sleep and work and come down and join them. That would be the sort of coming together space. But it allowed so much connectivity, you know, in that bedroom. For a lot of time, my dad was reliant on carers to come and lift him out of his chair, lift him out of bed, put him in his chair. So it was very time-based. There were moments when he needed to spend longer in bed. And so it actually sort of became something that you know, we can look at now and think, well, you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily have made that choice in a normal situation. Maybe you wouldn't have chosen it if you'd designed the bedroom. Even if we were designing it fresh, we would have done something different. But that solution is something that we've been able to reflect on as being really unusual and really great. Um, it actually sort of, for them, it was the perfect solution. And sometimes as architects, and maybe for us this is something that we could really, you know, enjoy as architects to be able to sort of revel in something that so, you know, is, is such a sort of no-no or something, for, you know, is something that we might avoid in most circumstances and to sort of experience, you know, in a very particular circumstance for ourselves. You know, we, we as, you know, when we're architects and designing our own things, we can, we can, do, we can choose for ourselves. We can do something that we wouldn't do for someone else or we would think is, is potentially um, not an ideal solution but turned out to be such a so great in this circumstance, very practical, very pragmatic and yet very connective and, um, and has offered so much. And also, I mean, something that's really nice perhaps, you know, to say as designers when we design for ourselves is that 
we we live in it, you know, and this is something that's so so great as a designer when you get to live in your architecture and really experience it. And this is something that I think my dad got, you know, we got as a family living in the house for 40 years. You know, some things <laughs> were like, Dad, what were you thinking, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, or, or as time passed, you know, when we were young and my mum would say, well, you know, when you were kids that wasn't a problem, you know, but as we got older and space became tighter, you know, because we were we were bigger and perhaps took up more space, um, when I say that, not just physically but also as beings in the world who need separation, who need privacy, who need, you know, to express ourselves, that all being in this one open plan, small house, the challenges, you know, started to present themselves. And that's something, you know, that I, you know, I smile at now, you know, that it's it's exciting. You know, again, we go come back to this sort of architecture being something that can be really interesting, really exciting, really challenging, that lived bodily experience is very real. I think for me as well, having parents with um, particular needs in the house, seeing how they use the house, how those needs changed, how the, how the house changed for those needs. I just have an awareness perhaps how everyone's needs are so different and, uh, you know, we talk about them mostly on a, on a sort of normal level, differing needs, but um, even for people with, um, with complex needs, you know, the, the way the kitchen was so tiny to begin with um, is so particular to my dad you know, and it's totally inappropriate for someone in a wheelchair. It might be very inappropriate for a lot of people, but it really solved, you know, it, it was a solution for him. Um, it's like a tiny house, you know, it, it worked. Um, and even the five of us managed. The, the kitchen didn't seem to be the, the worst thing, you know. <laughs> that wasn't the first thing to be to be changed. So and then seeing how that, you know, that no longer worked sort of down the track, how things change and the way that both of my parents' needs are different has sort of been, it's very apparent to me how sometimes what someone needs is to be as close as possible and to walk the shortest possible distance. And sometimes what someone needs is a ramp with lots of space to be able to manoeuvre. Um, and, you know, other people obviously need visual visual aids and those needs are very different. And not saying that um, you can't design for lots of needs at once, but just how there's not always a single solution or that sometimes, as, as happened often in the case with my mum, it might be easier just to get to the front door and help her up three steps than it would be to take the ramp. We take dad up the ramp and my mum up the three steps. You know, this sort of, it's not, not always one solution. I guess that's what I'm sort of saying. And I, we've all been exposed to that and we sort of understand it very, somewhere very innately. Yeah, and seeing the house change for that it's very interesting i mean the, the topic of this of this episode is about the process and i think there's been the most incredible process not just looking at this latest renovation that, that you've been involved as a, as a technical architect but across the whole lifespan of the house it's been a process of, of actually getting your hands dirty and laying bricks with your dad but then also kind of stopping and listening and, and working out what the priorities are and how to negotiate that with all of the users. I think there's been, you kind of analysed the, the brief with a, a lens of care and empathy. And I personally have kind of taken away that 
there is no one size fits all for designing for disability or aging in place. It's it's about those conversations you have with the clients, whether they be your family or not, and testing things as well. You just never know. <laughs> I think that's one thing I've I've perhaps picked up over time is that I I just never know where a client will will go. And then that's not just in regards to my parents. I think that being open to find out where they will go, what their interests really are, how courageous they want to be in the space that they're creating for themselves. Some clients are very engaged and very courageous and surprising. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was one of my first lessons, never to underestimate the client and where they might might go with a project you never know Anna thank you thank you for spending time with us today to tell us about such a wonderful project and our wonderful process it's been a pleasure thanks no worries thanks Hilary it's been great This has been Hearing Architecture, proudly sponsored by Brickworks. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much to our guest in this episode, architect Anna Gilby from Gilby and Bruin Architecture and Urban Design. Thank you so much for sharing these personal details about your family's architectural journey. We can't wait to see what you produce next. Our sponsor Brickworks also produce architecture podcasts hosted by modernist fanatic and comedian Tim Ross. You can find The Art of Living, Architects Abroad and The Power of Two at brickworks.com.au or your favourite podcast platform. The more support we get from you, the more episodes we get to make. So if you'd like to show your support, please rate, review and subscribe to Hearing Architecture in your favourite podcast app. If you want to know more about what the Australian Institute of Architects is doing to support architects and the community, please visit architecture.com.au. This is a production by the Australian Institute of Architects Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. The Institute production team was Madeline Jenkins and Claudia McCarthy, and the Imagine production team was Hilary Duff, Cassia Ward, Kimberly Huey, and Max Legal White. Written and directed by Daniel Moore. This content is brought to you by the Australian Institute of Architects, Emerging Architects and Graduates Network in collaboration with Open Creative Studio. This content does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. This content does not constitute legal, financial, insurance or other types of advice. You should seek independent verification of advice before relying on this content in circumstances where loss or damage may result. The Institute endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or will become inaccurate over time.